0: Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest, a returning guest. We talked last uh, in last June 2021 about a book he published in February of 2021. Title of that book is The Summoning Preparing for the Coming Days of Noah. And his name is Pastor Carl Gallops. And we're going to talk another of his publications. He published one he published back in 2020 titled Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. And Pastor Carl Gallops has been the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, since 1987. He's a graduate of the Florida Law Enforcement Officer Academy, Florida State University, and New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and has served on the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama, since 2000. And some of his other books are, he's a very prolific author, are The Rabbi, The Secret Message, and The Identity of the Messiah, 2019, Gods of the Final Kingdom Unveiling the Secrets of the Raging Celestial War that ultimately results in the restitution of all things brought to life in the theater of your mind and soul, published 2019. Gods of Ground Zero, The Truth of Eden's Iniquity, 2018. Gods and Thrones, Nakash, The Forgotten Prophecy and the Return of the Elohim, published 2017. And also The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, the Story of Yitzhak Kaduri and His Prophecies of the End Time, published 2016. And I'll put some of those uh, book titles in the show notes. He's also a best-selling, um, very best-selling author, know, has a talk radio show, and his website is www.carlgallops.com. So it's C-A-R-L-G-A-L-L-U-P-S.com. And he put in a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer at the beginning of the book, which ties into the theme of the book. So I'd like to, he I was allowing me to read this. The quote is, the great masquerade of evil has played havoc with all our ethical concepts. For evil to appear disguised as light, charity, historical necessity, or social justice is quite bewildering to anyone brought up on our traditional ethical concepts, while for the Christian who bases his life on the Bible, it merely merely confirms the fundamental wickedness of evil. And again, that's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So I'm delighted to have Pastor Carl Gallup. So Pastor Gallup, are you there?
1: Oh, yes. I'm here, William. Thank you so much for having me back. It's an honor.
0: Awesome. I'm really delighted to have you back on this book. Very important book, timely book, And can you talk, I mean, you have so many books. Can you talk about why you put together this particular title, Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest con Job in History?
1: Sure. Of course, the the title, probably most uh, believers in your audience will know that that would probably be related, and it is, to the scripture that declares that even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, the subtitle is called Preparing for the Greatest Con Job in History and and so that that refers, of course, to the final days before the return of Jesus Christ, when we're in this period wherein the Antichrist, the beast system encompasses the entire globe. It starts first as a spiritual existence and then manifests itself finally in, in a person to whom Satan himself gives his power, the scripture says in Revelation 12, the last verse, and Revelation 13, the first few verses. So So that's that, you know, so in other words, the Bible tells us in those days, lawlessness will prevail truth will be thrown to the ground, deceit, deception, masquerading, uh, light being called uh, darkness and darkness being called light. I mean, you know, William, I think most of your listeners will understand that that we're in the, at least the edges of those days now, and, and it seems to be rolling in like a flood. So that's where the title comes from, just kind of trying to wake up the church and warn the church. And this was written in 2019. And did did I, I please forgive me? I, I'm so blessed to do so many interviews. I can't remember. Did I tell this supernatural story of this book's release and its cover and its title and all that? Did I? Please tell you? do. I don't.
0: I don't recollect that. I think we talked about the summoning last time. Can you tell me about the supernatural background of this book?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. So I'm writing this book, and I can't remember. I think I started it in early 2019, maybe late 2018. I just, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher, teacher, and man, I've been doing it for 35 years in one church, and then that has taken me all over the world in interviews and TV and radio and conferences, prophecy conferences, Bible conferences. So I've been digging and digging and studying for 35 years. Now, that doesn't make everything I don't think I'm correct about everything I say, but I'm always willing to tweak, but, but I've learned a lot is what I'm saying. So I, I wrote this book because I just felt, I felt it in my soul. You could smell it in the air, metaphorically speaking, that something was getting ready to happen. Something was getting ready to snap, if you will. And so my wife and I talked a bit about this for two or three, four, or five years, Before a certain thing snapped. And so anyway, so that was the impetus for writing it. So I'm writing it in late 2018, early 2019 and i'm talking about as we'll uncover in a few moments just jesus warning the bible's warning of these last days and the deception that will first come to the house of god you know judgment begins in the house of god all kind of deception all kind of twisting of the truth of god's word people falling away from the faith the biblical contextual faith and clinging a form of religiosity and all of these things and i'm and i'm and and and, and i love to take biblical truth and show it in real Real life, not just pontificate upon it in theological terms, you know, professorial terms, but to just bring it down where people in the pew can say, Yeah, I feel that. I see that. I smell that. I get that. So that was what I was doing. So I'm writing the book. It was supposed to be released in fall of 2019. Now, Remember in fall of 2019, the vast majority of the world still had never heard of COVID uh, or or, or the, you know, everything that would come and that, which we're still living in the midst of right now, all the idiocy and craziness and government seizing power and control over people's lives, uh, constitutions and laws being ignored, deception and numbers and statistics and, and information. I mean, that, The Bible said those things would happen, brother. Lawlessness and deception. So, so, so in 2019, none of that had happened, and it's supposed to release in fall of 2019. I got it into the editors at their specific date, somewhere in late summer of 2019. Uh, And and I'm with a professional publishing company and a, a renowned one. And so, you know, they do all the work and cover design, and they 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 have the last say on the title. Although I've been with them long enough that they often take the titles that I first come up with. And so this one, I, I I wanted to call it, you know, Masquerade after, you know, the that scripture. And so the cover design came back and I was just blown away by it. I said, man, this is beautiful. This is awesome. It kind of, it really sets the feel for the book. Well, Then the publisher said, Carl, we're so sorry, but we're going to have to wait until the the, somewhere in the first quarter of 2020. We're having problems with paper supplies. We're having problems with the printers. And I mean, this is a major company. And he said, listen, all publishers are having this problem right now. We don't know really what's going on. So what happened, William? I'm just getting on with life, you know, and so I'm going to conferences and I'm flying all over the country doing TV and radio. And of course, I'm pastoring my church and I'm I'm already starting to work on another book called The Summoning and I'm moving along. Well, we turn the corner to 2020. January, we're informed about covid. Nobody's panicking yet. By March, people are beginning to panic, including our own government, which was the Trump government back then. Fauci was still in control. And, of course, in, in those days, he and Pelosi and all those people were saying, ah, you know, Trump is a racist. He's wanting to close the borders down to, to Chinese. If you want to go on a cruise, go on a cruise. If you want to come to Chinatown, go on a China. you know, right. come down here and eat. All of that was still going on. Then, by the late March, by late March of 2020... It was panic by everybody, you know, close everything, close the churches. That was a big mantra all over the world. And, 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 um, you can, you know, because churches are, are, are places of their killing fields, there's places of mass infection. Of course, you know, we could leave businesses open and even casinos open and, and those things, but not the churches. And so all of that was going on. And it was right then when the publisher finally was able to release the book. The book comes out. What's the title? Masquerade. This is right right at the week that all of these mask mandates went into place. All of these lockdowns went into place. All of the deception that people knew a lot of it was deception and, and obfuscation of true medical scientific facts. And the book comes out. It's called Masquerade. Preparing for the greatest con job in history. And the, and the picture is, the, is a picture of a man a with a mask wow. on his face.
0: That's and, incredible. Uh, it That's had, amazing. It, it
1: was all about Satan and the ultimate masquerade. <laughs> so when I wrote it and when the cover was designed and when the title was settled upon, none of us had any idea how it would correspond directly to the week in which it was released. Wow,
0: that's incredible. Just incredible timing. And just, we've lived through so much deception for the last 18 months. I mean, off the charts, like even to this day.
1: Well, yes. And let me tell you another thing. In the book, I have three or four chapters about, and I put it in biblical context, right out of scriptures that most people miss it. They just miss it. But when you see it, it's like, oh my gosh, the Bible actually speaks of the demonic spirit in the last days, circumnavigating the globe and closing churches down. It actually speaks of it. And, and then, and it's in a way that most people don't see. And most people get mad when you show it to them because they think it means something else. But in the context of the scriptures and in the context of the the most renowned scholars in the world, it does not mean what is often being taught. It means what I just said. It means that Satan himself, first through this spiritual thing, then in a manifestation, his desire is to shut the churches down, to quieten the mouth of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I write about that in the book right when it's happening is when it's released. I also mention that Satan might use pandemics and disease and epidemics to get the world to do these things. And that's in the book. And there was only like three sentences on that. But yet, there it is. I mean... I mean, I, obviously, I was getting some kind of download, brother, while I was Something.
0: writing. it's incredible. It's just over. Yeah. I mean, it's the perfect timing, and that—that's actually yeah. what's happened. Like I'm almost like drowning in the deceptions they're saying all the time, and they've actually the media and the government have have probably led to tens of thousands of deaths oh, by sure. their terrible oh, sure, advice, sure. or just yeah, for greed. Really or the, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 you know the th- the thing is, brother, that. <laughs> First of all, as I said, I had no idea when I was writing the book. Second of all, we we didn't plan the cover or the title to correspond with anything. I mean that was all set in stone and done and and then you know it happens, and then in the book it's talking about these things well i don't I don't ever and I have never advertised myself as some kind of prophet. I have never said, "Hey, I've got a prediction for you, and it's going to happen in the the, the you know fa- the the uh the spring of of 2020." I it's just I'm a preacher and teacher and student and digger and researcher of God's word, and you know I came out of 11 years of Florida law enforcement with two different sheriff's offices under three different sheriffs, patrol officer, criminal investigations, and so I approach even my approach to the scriptures like that forgive the redundancy I, I approach the scriptures that way that's my methodology is I want the DNA I want the fingerprints I want the eyewitnesses I want the, the the documents that we can seize I want real evidence before I start making theological proclamations I mean the Bible has to interpret the Bible everything has to fit in context with the languages and so that's what I've been doing so that's how I wrote the book and but I'm convinced that even though I don't advertise myself as a prophet, and I never have and never would. Yet, if you truly are a student of the Word, and you're speaking biblically, and you are keeping the Holy Spirit alive in your heart and soul and mind as to the times in which we're living, guess what? God will use you, William, me, Carl, and anyone else like that. He will use us in prophetic ways, in, in ways that we don't even know it until it happens. Wow. It's just amazing.
0: The timing is really off the charts. And you have that theme through your whole book is this yeah. masquerade, ripping off the mask. Yep. And there we see everybody walking around still to this day with masks I mean, oh, yeah. It's off the charts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The mask are over their eyes also. <laughs>
0: well, that's true as well. Right. I mean,
1: see. they don't have ears to hear brother. It's That's another oh. biblical prophecy about the last days.
0: And you do reference many biblical quotes. I mean, you start the book out with uh, Jesus Christ in Galilee and you said you wanted to kind of for, form, basically, base those statements of Christ there to apply to the present day, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and what I do in a lot of my writings, um, in fact, I'm I'm not here to talk about my latest book; it's not released yet. But but I the whole book this way because people love this style of my writings. Um, Most people do. I'm sure some don't. But but in Masquerade, the first eight or ten chapters, it's like you're reading a novel. It's a narrative. It's an immersive narrative. You're right. I put you right there in the grain fields with Jesus in the area of Capernaum on Lake Galilee, excuse me, in the very beginning of his ministry. And the statements he makes and the things he does and the attack and the response to his ministry is overwhelming. And then it it, it, it concludes, that narrative section concludes with him on the shores of Galilee after healing the man's hand that was withered in his arm in, in in a synagogue there in Capernaum. He goes down to the seaside to teach that evening and he tells seven parables about the kingdom and the first four are all explicit warnings that in the last days, all all through church history, see the church hadn't even been born yet, but Jesus was telling these parables as prophecy. He even explains it to his disciples as prophecy. And he's telling them in the last days, Satan is going to overwhelm the church. He is going to implant himself in it. He's going to uh, implant his doctrine. He's even going to have Human puppet people that are in places of high authority that will work to bring the kingdom of the church work down. that's what those parables are about, and I show the 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 readers that not only in my connection of scriptures, but again all of these scholars that have seen it for ages, but today's church just doesn't preach it, brother. It doesn't fit the American church style, the Western church style. Of, you know, everything's lovely, you know, prosperity, corporate America style churches, um, you know, that's it. And and, and so I'm trying to help the church wake up and see what is really happening.
0: Right. And there's a lot going on. I mean, and you so you talk about all of the actions of Christ in the synagogue and then move towards kind of uh, the temple and something that's coming. Can you talk about kind of your move from the narrative of Christ in Galilee to the temple and kind of the Jewish view?
1: Yeah, thank you for, for asking me that. Um, and this ties to those verses I was talking about that people get irate when they don't hear me out But when they read the book and they see all of the documentation, I mean firsthand from Israel, from rabbinic people in Israel, as well as what the scholars have been saying since the most ancient of days, the most ancient of days, plus the word study I do where the apostle Paul himself says it, when they see that, then they go, oh my gosh, you're right. It's right there in the scriptures. Why have, I, why have I been taught something else all of these years? Why have I never seen this? And again, I'm trying to wake folks up. Here's the deal. There is this teaching in modern Christianity that there has to be a third temple built on the temple mount. Now, please hear me. I, please, I, because I'm, again, people are saying, oh, okay, I'm going to turn this off. He's against a third temple. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. Um, I, I, am, I would not be surprised if the Jews... I mean, somehow finagled a third temple on the Temple Mount in the last days. But what I do is, is I show that's not the official policy of the Israeli government. It's not even the official desire or policy of the vast majority of the Orthodox Jews. It's not. It's not. I mean, everybody knows it in Israel. It's only basically Americans that think that every Jew in Israel wants a temple on the Temple Mount. They don't. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of the nine million people now living in Israel have no desire whatsoever ever to have a temple on the Temple Mount. I back all of this up with facts and sources and polls and stuff from mainstream sources. Plus, I have a very deeply connected person who's inside Israel telling me, no, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. You know, the Jews laugh at the Christians in America that are pouring millions of dollars into Israel to build a new temple, and we don't want one, and we have no intention of building one. And so, that's a big thing. And I know some of your listeners are saying, but wait a minute, Jesus said there would be Matthew 24. He said, just like go read Daniel. Uh, you know, the the, the, the uh, Paul says there would be in second Thessalonians, uh, you know, that um, uh, the, the man of lawlessness will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. But the problem is, none of those scriptures declare a temple on the Temple Mount in Israel. None of them do. None. And I prove that in the book, and scholars have said it for hundreds and hundreds of years, all the way back to the time of the early churches preaching, including Paul, and yet America's churches Uh, and teaching and theology has gone the exact opposite way, which is exactly what Jesus was teaching and preaching on the shores of Galilee right before he would go to the cross. So, I unpack all of this. My, my contact in Israel is Messianic Rabbi Zev Parat. He was born and raised in Israel, speaks Hebrew as his first language. His father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather were all famous rabbis, and they were a member of the Diane, the rabbinical courts, the courts that judged other rabbis, connected to the government. That's on his father's side. He was raised in B'nai Barak, the most orthodox uh, community in the world. It would be like... Um, It would be like uh, some kind of a religious community of any denomination you want to think of, Uh, you you know, in the United States where it's just all made up of those people. That's what B'nai Barak is. That's what he was raised in. And he and he went to the to the uh, Jewish schools to become a Sanhedrin rabbi. He was certified to become a Sanhedrin rabbi, and then out of that, it t- it took years, and it's a long story. And he's got it in his books, and I have it in some of my books. But he he fi- he came to Yeshua to Jesus as as Lord and Christ. And so, but on his mother's side, uh, he's got family members that are connected to what was then the Netanyahu government in high high places. He's been in the military. He's got connections there. I mean, he is steeped in Israel and orthodoxy. And now in the word of God, he ministers to Jewish people trying to lead them to Christ. He's been spit on, stoned. I mean, literally rocks thrown at him. His property destroyed. His family disowned him. But in the meantime, his ministry has gone global. And he backs up everything that I say in this book as well as the scholars. He says, Carl, I live here. I'm telling you, they laugh at Americans. They, they say, by the way, they say you, you teach that the temple needs to be there for the Antichrist to come. So what are you doing sending billions of dollars over here to build a house for the Antichrist? If that's what you believe, why are you doing that? So anyway, William... I mean, I spend a lot of time in the book, and I don't want to take up all the time here to do it. People will just have to read it. I know some are listening saying, well, I'll never read that. Well, then you're going to miss the biblical truth. May I take five more minutes, William? Please do.
0: Okay, yes, I will absolutely. give
1: a quick word study to help people understand what I'm talking about. Let me just start with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he says um, that the abomination that causes desolation will set himself up or... or or um will will be, it, it says, as the prophet Daniel uh, speaks up. So you go to the Old Testament in many English translations, and uh, the abomination that causes desolation, that term is found three times. And in one of the places, one of the three times, it says um, that he will set himself up in the temple. The problem is, and that's what people say, see, it's right there. Jesus said it, and Daniel says it. But the problem is the word temple is not in the Hebrew manuscripts. It's added by the translators, by some of them, only because they couldn't figure out what in the world that passage meant because it says what it says. He will set himself up on a kanaf. And kanaf in Hebrew means on a wing, on a wing. And and that term is never used for the temple or any kind of a temple. It's used as a bird's wing or as a wing of a building, like an administrative government building, a wing. We use the the English word the same way. Well, it's over on the east wing or the west wing, uh, or look at the wings on that bird. Okay, so the Hebrew word is the same thing. It doesn't say anything about a temple, yet English translations have it inserted Because they're basically commentating rather than interpreting. And that has confused people and confused the church. So so Jesus refers to Daniel, and Daniel says nothing about a temple. He does say that in the last days, this abomination will cause the sacrifices and the times and everything to change. And in the Hebrew, that word sacrifices is a word used for the sacrifices that were going on in the temple in Daniel's day before they were taken into captivity. But he's speaking about the last days. And in the last days, the temple in the New Testament, that it's exposed. Jesus says of himself, one greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. Then he says, destroy this temple. He's pointing to himself and in 3 days i will raise it up again then when paul preaches about this in all of his books the word temple in greek there are two words to translate into english as temple one is heiron the other one is naos the word heiron speaks of the actual temple building on the temple mount okay the word naos means the most inner place the holy of holies in the building That's definition number one. Definition number two is, in the Greek dictionary, it actually says, however, naos is most commonly used in the metaphorical sense, meaning the church or God's people who is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is the inner sanctum of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we get to the writings of Paul, who's the one that wrote the man of lawlessness will set himself up in the temple. Guess which word he uses? Naos. He will set himself up in the naos. He didn't say he Iran. As a matter of fact, in all of Paul's writings, he only uses the word he Iran once, and the context is clear. He says it's like the priests who are in the he making their sacrifices every day. Now, see, in Paul's day, the temple was still there, but Paul had been caught up to paradise, William. He says that, I was caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up to the throne room of God 30 years before John was when he wrote the revelation. Paul knew what was coming, but Paul says, but I was prohibited from from telling you everything, basically. Yet, Paul is the one that talks about the rapture and the last trumpet and being transformed, and he talks about the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. And Paul gives us a clue in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that has been misinterpreted because you're reading it in the English. And it says in the English that the man of lawlessness will set himself up in the temple proclaiming himself to be God. But he uses the word naos on purpose. Why? Because every other book he wrote, Where the word temple is found, he says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Know you not that you are the temple? Do you not know that Jews coming to Christ and Gentiles coming to Christ? This is Ephesians chapter 2, paraphrase. But he said, you are being built up into the true temple of God. That's the church. And so when you get to 2 Thessalonians, Paul chastises the Thessalonians. He said, you should know this by now. I've been teaching it. I've been writing it. Why do I have to remind you of these things? In the last days, the, the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, he is going to set himself up in the not Naos, oh, right. wow. and he will proclaim himself to be God. Brother, in 2020, when we rounded the corner and they shut the churches all over the world, and by the way, It's still, I mean, in Canada, you can't find a a Christian church. They're putting pastors in jail. Pastors in jail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all over the world. China, the Christians are still underground by the millions and millions and millions all over the world. Even in the United States, they were putting pastors in jail and or threatening to close the churches. Now they've had to ease way back on that, but they're still persecuting churches and pastors. I mean, brother, all over the world, this spirit told Christians, you can't worship, and if we allow you to worship— We will tell you when, where, and how, whether you wear a mask, whether you have to be six feet apart, and whether or not you can sing. That is the spirit of the lawless one going into the naos and saying, I am God of you. You are not in control of this. uh, Jesus is not in control of this. The Lord of heaven is not. I am God of the church in the world now. You're in my domain. You are invading my domain this earth belongs to me. And Jesus said that, that he's the prince of this world right now. He's the God of this age. He's the prince of the power of the air. And Satan made his declaration in the year 2020, and we're still living in the midst of it. And that is what that passage means. We are in the edge of the beginning of the very last days, brother. Wow. Yeah,
0: no, it's incredible. And so your interpretation of the Antichrist then is somebody who sets himself up at the top of the Christian church. Is that correct?
1: Well, yes, you know, it could be in some ecclesiastical position. It could be a governmental position. Of course, you got to remember he has an ecclesiastical aid that comes along beside him in Revelation 13, the false prophet. So we don't really have the full manifestation yet, but a lot of people are beginning to formulate it in their minds because Revelation 13 starts off. See, Revelation 12 talks all about Satan. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. He says that ancient serpent who is the devil or the dragon. See, there's, you know, that's all metaphorical. It's like Jesus is called the Lamb of God. He's called the Lion of Judah. But Jesus never became a lion. He never became a a real lamb. It's metaphorical. See, the serpent in the garden is a metaphor too. Revelation 12 tells us that. He never did enter into a snake. It wasn't a walking, talking snake. Satan is the ancient serpent. He is the dragon. And so Revelation 13 says, and the dragon stood on the shore And the sea. In other words, he covered the whole earth with his spirit, and then he says he gave his power to the beast. And then we begin reading about the beast. And when we get to the end of Revelation, we read that the beast is this is the Babylonian system. Babylon will fall in one hour. It's this global spirit. It's this global godlessness and wickedness and filth that that god's going to bring his judgment against. So what happens is in Revelation 13 it tells us that this spirit's going to sweep the globe and it's going to have a religious spirit attached to it even in the form of a man who points to the beast and the beast is spoken of both as an entity that may mainly a world government and it appears to be spoken of as a singular person who's kind of over it. So that's what the Bible says. Now, how it's going to manifest, we still don't know, but it's becoming clearer and clearer that we're headed that way. So I think it's going to shock a lot of people when it finally happens. Listen, this is the same way the Pharisees missed Jesus, brother. Right. <laughs> the scriptures were there, but the Pharisees had their charts, their graphs, their maps, their PowerPoints, their novels, and their movies. They already had them out there. And so when Jesus comes, he doesn't fit any of what they had been teaching and preaching. And he's standing right in front of them. And not only do they miss him, but they crucify him in the city of God, just outside the temple of God, in the name of God, walking away from the cross that day, patting each other on the back, thinking they had done God a favor. I don't want to be that guy in these last days, William.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it is incredible, this whole charade and masquerade of these people are fronting themselves as medicine but doing uh, theological having a theological impact i think a lot of people don't see through or past the kind of scientific approach of the with the theological effect if that makes any sense because no, it makes perfect.
1: perfect sense
0: yes um what else i mean what else would you like to cover word about 31 minutes do you mind taking any questions i'll see if anybody has any questions what i mean you talk about the deception you're kind of the next part of the book is uh, subversion can you talk about the infiltration and kind of perversion that yeah. that's yeah. on coming
1: yeah I will and let me just say I I will take uh, um, questions from anybody your your listeners from you from anybody it doesn't matter but but yeah um, yeah the, this this subversion this the, the the mechanics of it here's my understanding from the scripture it's multifaceted. Just like God is multifaceted to the nth degree, um, He didn't just create a fish, He created all kinds of fishes. Uh, he didn't just create a bird, He created all kinds of birds, uh, etc. He didn't create just a human, He created white humans, black humans, yellow humans, brown humans, tall humans, short humans, males, females, children. You know, He, he is to the nth degree creative. Well, Satan always tries to mimic. God, and he can't because he's not God. He's way more powerful than we are, but he's not God. He's not omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, but he's way more powerful than us. So so what he's going to do, I do believe, and I think the Bible bears this out, and I write about it in in this book, Masquerade. A part of his masquerade is he's going to, to hit us In the nth degree as far as he can from every angle possible to bring about what jesus said in the last days men's hearts would fail them that's the king james here's the translation people will die from heart attacks all over the planet when they see what's coming upon the earth in the very last days I mean, brother, that's got to be something horrendous and horrific, and it is on its way. We're already seeing people, the number one epidemic, not pandemic, but psychological epidemic on the planet right now, according to the National Institute of Health, is fear, the fear of death, and they say brought about by the COVID virus. See, this: the virus is not necessarily the evil. It's the trigger that has been used by Satan. It's been used by the governments. So you take you take all of the Deception and fear and panic and the National Institute of Health says there's now an epidemic of their words, quote, mental disease. End quote. That they don't know how to handle. It's so prolific. People are turning to drugs. They're turning to alcohol. They're turning to pornography. Everything to kind of help their, you know, to deal and to cope with what's going on inside their minds and their souls to get some release and some peace. And they can't. And it's causing mental disease. That's the National Institute of Health, brother. So see, one little virus that has a 99.7 or 8 uh, percent survival rate has caused all of that and so much more, shut churches down, put pastors in jail. It has caused this spirit of Antichrist to become God among the churches all over the world, just like the Bible said would happen. All of that is happening. Then on top of that, the Bible tells us doctrines of demons will be released in the last days. Not only would that refer to the false teaching in churches and denominations, but a doctrine is way beyond theological scope. A doctrine You can have doctrines of law. Doctrines of uh, uh, rule of law. You can have doctrines of, of, of uh, how a society works. And the Bible says that Satan is going to pour out doctrines of demons, the demonic, all over the planet in the last days. He said, the spirit clearly t- tells me this. So you got that going on even now. And then, of course, you have these relatively obscure uh, verses Uh, They're written maybe symbolically in the book of Revelation that speaks of the chasm being opened in the last days, the pit, and, and, and this is done through a demonic presence. The key is given to one called Abaddon or Apollyon, which translates the destroyer, and all kinds of dem- demonic manifestations come out and begin to cover the planet and cause death and disease and destruction and fear and panic, um, and on and on. You, the, the Revelation talks about the demons deceiving the kings of the earth, meaning globally, well, we're watching that happen. Um, I mean, brother. So, so not only that, but you've got this whole, this whole interdimensional demonic thing of of. All these last couple of years, all we've been hearing about is UFOs, UFOs, the Navy. The Navy has seen them. The Navy's been tracking them. Uh, other governments have been tracking them. What's happening? Are they getting ready to visit us? And and and, and mainstream media is reporting on it. And there are television shows about it. And documentaries and the film footage is running 24-7 all over the world through Internet. And so people are looking for now visitors from other planets to come save us. Right brother. And I mean, you know, and Satan will be glad to pull that off if that's what we're looking for. So you got all of that that may happen in the demonic manifestation of the last days. Then Jesus tells us when he was asked about the coming of the son of man, what are the signs? He said, it'll be just like it was in the days of Noah, just like it. Just like it was in the days of of Lot, and that's why I wrote the book The Summoning, that come after the Masquerade, because I go deeply into that. But in the in Masquerade, I touch on it, and what that means. Go back and read the accounts of the days of Noah. All flesh had become corrupted. Well, how did that happen? Well, Genesis six four says the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and had children by them, you know, and people freak out about that. What do you mean? Angels had sex with women? Listen, I know what the scholars say. I know what the ancient Jews say. I know what the classical scholars say. I know what even modern scholars are saying. At the very least, it is speaking of a, a crossing over a border that that the angelic, the fallen angelic realm were not allowed. James and Peter speak of certain angels that have been held since then, since the days of Noah, in the deepest, darkest dungeons of hell, waiting for the great white throne of judgment. Something horrific happened, but it was ultimately described as the corruption of all flesh. There was something genetic that happened because of this demonic outpouring. And look at our culture now. Let me hush and let you speak.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you can kind of see that uh, rumbling. You can see the transhumanism that yeah. they really are trying to change. The process. Even these so-called, sh- I wouldn't call them vaccines. These shots have things in them that are off the charts. They're not even uh, human. So it's very strange. Like what's, yes. really, what's really in those shots is another story. Ali Veldman asked, what do you think the future of the church is? I think what he means is like, how is the church going to progress or adapt to all of these yeah. uh, deceptions?
1: Well, here's the thing. The real church wins. Uh, who was it that asked the question? Uh, Lee Veltman. Lee. Okay. Lee, uh, let me just answer you personally. Uh, the church wins. I, and 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 when we use the word the church, I want to be very clear. I am not speaking of, the Bible doesn't speak of, nor does Jesus speak of, nor any of the New Testament writers speak of the church as a denomination. Or even somebody that has their name on a church roll. In fact, Jesus said just the opposite. He said, Not everybody that just says, Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do my will, my father's will. And then he talks about beware of the false prophets. They're like good trees with bad fruit. And they're asking you to eat this bad fruit. Wow. There's a picture of the garden of Eden. Uh, and and so he says, and, and then the Bible says, and judgment's going to begin with the house of the Lord and Jesus first seven parables, which is what I wrote about a masquerade. Um, were all about, uh, you, you know, the birds of the air, picking the gospel out of of people's hearts, the birds of the air lighting in this big, gigantic, gangly, unnatural tree that grows in a garden, it says. Uh, the 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 enemy comes at night and sows the tares among the wheat. Remember all those parables, William? Yes. This is this is what and Lee, this is what Jesus was talking about. So, what's what's happening? The church, the remnant, the born again, blood-bought, spirit-filled Christians. We are here, we are preaching, we're like Noah, which is what Jesus. Jesus said, we're like Lot standing in his doorway, screaming at the filth around him. Noah standing on an ark, a ship, the size of an aircraft carrier built in his backyard that could be seen across the plains for miles. And every time people would gather there in huge crowds, he would stand up there and preach. The judgment is on its way. That's who we are. That's the real church. So Lee, what happens to the church It is cleaned up, it is cleaned out, it is winnowed down, the tares are plucked from the wheat, and the real remnant church preaches the gospel until the Lord takes us out. Uh, So I just tell Christians, just keep your eyes on the Lord, stay in the contextual word, know and learn the contextual word, which is why I'm writing these books, not that I'm the keeper of all truth, because I quote a myriad of scholars, people a whole lot smarter than I. And then I do the word studies. Then I connect all the scriptures in the Bible that speak of these things so that people can see the contextual truth. And that's what we are to do, Lee. The church prevails. The church wins. We rule and reign with Jesus at the restitution of all things. Thanks, William.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a perfect way to kind of end this talk. Where's the best place to get the book Masquerade?
1: You can get it anywhere good books are sold. Uh, digitally online, of course, there's Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. You can buy it directly from me. Go to my website, carlgals.com. I'll sign it for you. I'll send it postage paid, uh, free, um, no strings attached. Uh, when you give us your information, we throw it away after we after you receive the book. You don't get anything else from us, um, and we'll, we'll get it right to your home at, in days after you order it in any of the books that I've written. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And this is a great book. Again, the title of the book is Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History, published right before COVID came down. I mean, the timing's immense. If you guys came late to the show, go back to the beginning and listen to the intro. It's really incredible. But i uh, delighted to have you back, Pastor Gallops. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure, William. Anytime, brother. All right. Take care. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.